Hey everybody and welcome to the Darkcast. This is episode number 83 and I'm your host Jonathan Miley. Recently Brian and I got to sit down with a developer called Witchbeam. Uh, they're Australian uh, and we got to sit down with two of the developers, Tim Dawson and Sonata Mishra. He's referred to as not throughout the interview. Uh, we got to talk about their new game, Assault Android Cactus. And yes, we do ask why it's called Assault Android Cactus. Uh, anyway, we had a really great time doing the podcast. We hope you enjoy this episode. Now on with the show. Awesome. So, well, I uh, just want to thank you guys for coming on to the Darkcast with us and talking to us about your new game, Assault Android Cactus. How are you guys doing? Right. Pretty good, actually. Uh, sorry, it's just a bit hard to know who's going to pipe in first. Um, yeah, we're doing pretty great. We're just starting to get the word out. Throw stuff, you're good. Yeah, <laughs> and, and erupt. It, it's all cool. <laughs> it's only been in like the, uh, the last week or so that we've actually been able to get the game out into some more people's hands, so... We're kind of feeding off the energy of people playing it, and giving us feedback right now. Been waking up to see uh, people playing it, a uh, couple of people playing it on YouTube. Really mm-hmm. nerve-wracking. Like, uh, oh no, are they going to are they, they going to play it right? Are they going to like it? <laughs> so yeah, it's the first time we've really uh, sent it out there. So, well, awesome. Um, so I've I've got the most important question up front here. Um, what is up with the name Assault Android Cactus? <laughs> Uh, where, where does that come right. from? <laughs> okay. uh, so, so the so the main character is uh, called Cactus because um, uh, she has green hair. <laughs> um, we we went over we we debated what the game should be called for a while actually. Um, at, at one point, it was just kind of um, called Cactus, which isn't a very descriptive name of sure. anything really. No, you um, think of that as like some sort of you know desert survival game, Cactus, yeah, or yeah. you know a lone gunman, not a. Not a cutesy little android who's going to blow yeah. the shit out of stuff. <laughs> and we kind of went uh, back and forwards on different ideas. Uh, like the, the themes of the games are robots and uh, viruses and that kind of thing. And you know, we're, we're considering stuff like, was it, uh, I forget some of them, um, like payload overflow and stuff. None of them were very emotive. <laughs> and it kept coming back to the, wanting to call it Cactus in some way. And so we went I like decided- triple barrel names. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. You know, like um, you get the was a uh, you know battle angel leader or that that kind of that kind of vibe. And it's like, sure. uh, yeah. So it's it's a little it's a kind of a little bit um, uh, how do you say kind of cheesy, but it felt descriptive as well because that way at least it explains is yeah. <laughs> One thing you don't really think about is uh, using the word Android in anything gaming related these days. People just assume you're talking about uh, Google's operating system. Mm-hmm. So Android should immediately be followed by some sort of candy, like, you know, assault Android yes. licorice. That's right. Well, it's funny you say that, but uh, I'd like to talk about There's actually, uh, yeah, potentially plans for a character called that, so we'll see how that oh, licorice, out. awesome, I'm, I'm in. That's, that's, we're there. Uh, uh, licorice is the nemesis. Uh, 
that, that's, that's even perfect. better. That's yeah. uh, it's, it, he, Does he have a mustache? Because uh, I, <laughs> I, I feel he should be a black licorice with a mustache. Feel free to write this down. I don't need any money. We're good. <laughs> just a uh, uh, just a mention in the credits. Um, yeah, that's all. That's all. <laughs> licorice idea per Brian Tyler. We're good. All right. Um, so uh, next question, also incredibly important. Have you thought about putting actual cacti in the game? Yes, actually. <laughs> awesome. I was thinking we could sneak them into World 2 because there's like a bit of a plant theme there. So Nice. I like it. I like it. I'm, I'm on board with that. Um, so uh, can you start off by telling us just, you know, just some um, background of what the game is? Um, what style of game is it? Uh, I, obviously, there are different characters in it, but listeners don't know that yet, so... Uh, just go ahead and give us your, you know, kind of spiel on what Assault Android Cactus is. Uh, sure. Um, I can probably take this one, Tim. Uh, right. I think Assault Android Cactus, it's a twin-stick shooter, first off. Uh, you can, on a control pad, use two analog sticks to move the character and aim in different directions. Uh, on keyboard and mouse, we have a similar setup using arrow keys or the WASD cluster and using the mouse to aim around the character. So... It's meant to be very agile for you to move in one direction, aim in another direction, and shoot in that direction. Um, probably feel pretty familiar with that genre. But our goal is to make it really uh, intense with, I guess it's more of a, a retro arcade feeling to it with the arenas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a progressive game where you're going through and the levels are kind of a beginning to end uh, traveling along a path. It's more like uh, trying to find really interesting encounters and keep the pressure up on the player and um, you know, make it really stylish with the action. Uh, we got a lot of inspiration actually from uh, games that are outside of the genre that we're in. You know, you kind of look at um, shoot 'em up games and things like that, where you have uh, characters with distinct weapon sets and they have a really unique playstyle. So you get attached to this character plays in this way, even though the, the game mechanics are quite set. Each character feels very unique. So we've tried to incorporate that a lot, which I don't think you see. Uh, necessarily that much of that in um, twin stick shooters these days, so mm-hmm. something we really wanted to focus on. Yeah, that that was, uh, just to interject for a second, that was one of the things that kind of st- stuck out to me when I was first playing it. felt like almost, um, you know, a, a bullet hell style game meets <laughs> Geometry Wars. Um, if Definitely uh, inspirations that, there. That's Geometry an excellent Wars impression. Awesome. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I, was, I, was, yeah, I was just going to say, the, the, the gameplay um, really... Uh, iterated a lot. Um, it started off as a very, uh, I suppose, uh, traditional twin stick shooter where you have a character and there was going to be some upgrades and that kind of thing as, as you went along. Um, the big change was when we started adding multiplayer mm-hmm. and um, everything kind of grew out of that where we realized, well, we're going to have separate characters. You want to be able to tell the characters apart. And then we're saying, well, okay, we've, we've given them different haircuts um, why? You know, what's the difference between a character? And eventually, we arrived at the thing as I oh, know the characters are all about their weapons, which is a lot like um, well, it's a lot like a top-down shooter where you're picking your ship or your character or your whatever, and and they play in a different way. And once we had that, it kind of extended to everything. Um, yeah, so you you come into the game, you pick pick which character you're going to use, and they have different styles, different strategies, and different strengths and weaknesses. And we're really kind of happy with how that kind of plays together, especially in multiplayer, because you've got people that you're forced to pick different characters and then you're backing each other up. Yeah, the beautiful thing about multiplayer is that uh, while it's cooperative, entirely cooperative experience where you're all trying to beat the level, it's also 
hyper competitive where you're trying to see uh, you know who's going to actually get the highest score <clears throat> so we've got uh, a system in place where there's actually a crown on top of the head of the player who's leading at any given moment and it nice. swaps around depending on when you uh, you know take over the high score <laughs> from somebody else or things like that so you end up with these weird dynamics where the weapons can be uh, quite good to use together you know uh, coral has a shotgun and a plasma field and inside yes. that field it's quite safe mm-hmm. that's the one I've got, I want to ask about right away because I, I was trying the different characters and shotgun immediately says to me you know short range um, there is a lot of bullet hell going on especially dependent upon like which stage you're in and what's coming on and I was really concerned like what the shotgun would bring and then the moment you get to I think it's like the third or fourth upgrade that the the spread on that just becomes fantastic and it is a completely different game with that shotgun character yeah it's the a, shotgun it's character a, it's is a room my favorite sweeper, isn't it <laughs> okay so that, that who was, has the shotgun cuz i didn't play with her and that has to happen yeah, uh. it, it was absolutely ridiculous. I, uh, uh, my mouth almost dropped open when I saw. It. I think it was the final when the the little voice comes on. It says full power, and it goes almost 180, and there's just death and destruction everywhere because it's pulsing out from you. It was it oh, was sh- really cool. Yeah, but seriously, is awesome. what what's the name yeah. of that character? Because I have to play. No, death. Uh, that's Coral. Death. Coral. Coral. There okay. you go. That's an excellent name for death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's actually pretty cool. She's probably my favorite character i tend to, to play as her the most and, and so i you know tweak the weapons a little bit here and there and make sure that it's going to be viable like you said though it's actually really dangerous to use the shotgun yeah you have to get up close so it's it, this those big first risk two, thing those first two weapon weapon upgrades you know before you get those you are running right up to them and that is completely like out of your mind crazy when you're trying to dodge stuff and get away from things to know that oh i have to get close to these things to kill them because uh, you the, the the short burn on that secondary fires just <laughs> it's kind of way too much so you're left with with fighting that shotgun yeah it's um a very tight balancing act one of the cool things is the secondary weapon she uses that, that puts out that field actually turns bullets around so they will actually be reflected uh on the edge of that shield so uh, one neat trick is yeah you can put that down kind of in a central area and stay with inside of it and kind of shoot out of it when you're in a dangerous area so give that a shot Interesting aside about the uh, plasma ball, actually, was uh, have you, you used it the the big energy field? Yes. Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a big repulsive energy field. It pushes away enemies and bullets and damages them with lightning strikes. Whatever. And uh, originally it was just attached to the end of the gun. It was like a mobile like energy ball type thing. But uh, the damage output isn't hugely high. And the big uh, the big improvement we got was. Why, don't, why doesn't it just disconnect from the gun and do its own thing? Which started setting up all these really interesting encounters where you can you can stand inside the ball and use it to protect yourself while shotgunning. Or yeah, you I, can also, uh, and I also I also used it as kind of like a uh, running one way past a, past an obstacle, dropping it and spinning around the obstacle. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can drop it in a choke point and like lure the enemies through it and that kind of thing. It, it, it became really versatile and it was like uh, and also a really different weapon to every to everything else in the game. It really picks up in multiplayer as well, where you can kind of share the defensive properties with other players. We're hoping, like, because we're going to have a bunch of different characters who have really unique weapons, in multiplayer, score attack and leaderboards could get pretty dynamic with a, you know, a combination where you'll find, all right, Starch and Coral actually are just amazing in combination, you know, but somebody else finds a, a great way to use um, 
you know, holly with a cannonball and you know, cactus with the, the flamethrower. So it's this kind of interesting thing where it's not always the best character. Like, you know, it's, it's a dynamic element. Now, with the, with the multiplayer, I mean, in single player, the enemies are coming right at you. Um, and they're even almost spawning on top of you, which I found, like, completely crazy when they were coming out of the walls or just kind of dropping in. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's the deal with multiplayer? Are they going to follow the dude with the crown? Um, are they, they, like, what's the split? How does the... Are, are they it's... always going to follow? Can one person tank, almost? <laughs> uh, no, it's a pretty even split. They'll... They, uh... The, you may have noticed the spawning rules uh, try to put the enemies as close as they can to you without getting... They have minimum distances, but they'll they'll try to uh, get as close as they can Sometimes to you. Multiplayer... Really minimum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, in multiplayer, they'll just they'll just do that for all the players. And there's more enemies as well. We scale up the enemies. So. Oh, okay. All right. So it's uh, just yeah. more insanity. fire into it. Okay. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. We thought it felt way, way better to scale up the number of enemies rather than kind of make them any you know, stronger or tankier. Because this way you can actually just keep mowing them down. Your weapons continue to feel powerful even in multiplayer. It's just the number of enemies you're fighting get crazy. That sounds awesome, and I'm now sad that I didn't get to play this more. Um, <laughs> so uh, you guys talking about the uh, different characters. Uh, it sounds like they're almost class-based. They're not really because they, they all have you know a uh, projectile weapon and then something that a secondary weapon that does a shield or missiles or whatever. Um, you said that with Coral, you know, you can kind of hide in your own little energy sphere and use it as a shield. Can other characters do that as well? Uh, can that shield actually protect multiple? Characters? Yeah, yeah, the shield the shield protects the space, so anyone inside it is technically getting the benefit of the shield. Okay, so, so, you, can, so you can almost play as a, a class role, sort of... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If you want, we, we, we had multiplayer tests where people were shouting, "Get in the bubble! Get in the bubble!" and everyone like <laughs> nice. ran to it. But uh, uh, actually, a good example of the the way we've tried to stretch the weapons is uh, Holly. Did did you? She's got the seeker gun um, as yes. a primary gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she was the second one I tried. That was uh, that was yeah. actually pretty cool. She, she's one of my favorite characters. Um, I just I just like the way the bullets feel like they swarm around things, uh, because they they because they home in on enemies. It's quite a um, weaker gun. It does a lot less damage than some of the other guns because it, it's a lot more accurate. It always hits. So her secondary weapon is the cannonball, uh, <laughs> which is a very, very powerful but slow-moving and very accurate weapon. Mm-hmm. So that'll do a lot of damage, but you have to aim it very carefully. But a main gun does not that much damage, but you don't have to aim it that well at all. So it's kind of like a nice... Um, you've got options even, yeah, even within the one character. Yeah, we're trying to balance it out so that uh, no matter which character you pick, you've still got the potential to destroy the levels, get a really high score, really good time, and balance it out so that there's no overwhelming weakness that they have to deal with. I mean, that's part of the giving Holly a, a kind of lower damage, easier to use main gun, and then a much higher damage but harder to use secondary gun. So you know, if you're new to the game, you'll just be using the, the Seeker all the time and kind of cruising around and making do with that. But as you get better start to use the cannonball, you start to get big combo chains, trying to like line it up so it goes through ten enemies instead of two. It uh, really changes things up. Awesome. Um, one of the things that I, I noticed with uh, Assault Android Cactus, probably just going to ca- call it Cactus from now on. Um, we do. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and it, it's something we've kind of seen in other, you know, uh, shmups, which this is sort of a shmup hybrid, is taking away the threat of death so much. Uh, the the game that comes to mind is uh, Cine Mora. Did you guys, have you guys played that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because, okay. you know, with that, you, you're not actually worried about dying. You're worried about killing things to extend your time. Um, and in this, it's it's kind of the same, or not the same, but it's a, a similar idea of you're kind of racing against the clock because your battery is draining. Uh, if you die, you can just click on the shoot button and, and get back up. Um, yeah. So what was kind of your thought process behind not just going with a traditional life bar? Well, early on... Sorry, I'll take this one if you mind. Um, okay. Early on, we kind of had uh, these playtests with the game where we didn't have that mechanic in. It was just like a a life system where you know you have three downs and then you're out mm -hmm. and actually what ended up happening was whenever somebody would play the game um, we'd start to notice this pattern where they became really really defensive uh, they'd move away from the enemies they'd try and find like nooks and crannies and places to hide and even if you try and put a, a score bonus or multiplier or some kind of incentive out there for people to not play that way they just kind of fall into that habit mm -hmm. um, and it, it kind of made the game not so exciting, right? Because it makes it all about you're running away from things all the time. You're trying to make yourself make yourself as safe as possible. And guns like the Seeker became these like go to. All right, everyone plays with the Seeker because you can stand behind a wall, um, and it just wasn't that great. So uh, Tim actually had the the cool idea of looking at uh, what we can do with trying to make players be aggressive, trying to put them back into. Uh, the game and try and get them out near the enemies to make things more exciting, to make things more pressure. Uh, and so you chucked in this mechanic where you end up with a battery and you've got a certain amount of battery energy. As it's depleting, the only way to get more is to defeat enemies and then go out and get the battery. And one of the things the battery does is it actually um, falls kind of away from the player when it spawns out of an enemy. Mm -hmm. So it's purposefully trying to push you to you have to be aggressive, you have to be in the fight. Um, which is going to reward you more in the long run because you get more power-ups, you'll get a faster time, more bonus chains, more score. Um, so overall, it's actually better for the player, but it's kind of giving them a reason why uh, they actually have to do that to survive, mm -hmm. and it massively increases the intensity, and we think it makes the game pretty unique, actually. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I, I, spent, uh, I spent some time playing um, Under Defeat, um, kind of like a helicopter shmup, and uh, one of the things I noticed, and, and especially with that and like other ones like Cinemora and like a, a Cider Arcade, is you spend a lot of time um, uh, circling your perimeter uh, and staying on the edge of things because it, it gives you the, the most time to maneuver. Um, one of the first things I did in chasing that battery and trying to get those power-ups is, especially if you get like, um, uh, what was it? It was the, the power down where you could just kind of, everything shuts down and you get a second mm -hmm. to kind of mow through things. Mm -hmm. um, just running through the center and collecting everything, and I don't. Th this is really the first kind of game like this that I've ever run towards danger. Like <laughs> that's all right, I'll be fine. I just got to get that. That's <laughs> and I, yeah. it's, it, it's a really. I think it's a really effective mechanic, and it really it changes it changes the dynamics so much on the field that it uh, your you feel like you're you're at least a little bit more in control and you're not spending all this time just dodging or just trying to stay out of the way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you can imagine the problems that other like real shoot-em-ups face where they're progressively moving forward all the time. This is an arena shooter, which amplifies like the issue of not putting you in the action even more because you're just kind of 
hiding out around the edges, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's really important for us that we address that. And you know, judging by the way it sounds like you've been playing, I think it turned out pretty good. Yeah, I, I just stopped playing defensively completely and just ran around. I was like, oh, that hit me. Oh, well. <laughs> yep. <laughs> just keep firing. As long as you get and, the battery. Yeah, and there's nothing quite like being feeling like you're a split second away from your battery draining out and getting to it just in time that <laughs> is an immensely satisfying time. feeling that that was good <laughs> cool. um so you guys mentioned that there's uh you know co-op multiplayer uh, is, are you looking to do any other type of multiplayer with it or is it the kind of like you said the competitive co-op we kind of, um, well, there's, <laughs> yeah, it's like rivalry co-op, I guess. Um, actually, a something we, we've kind of been thinking about, we're not, we're not sure how we'll be doing this, but um, some sort of hot seat multiplayer, like where you're competing against each other and it's just keeping the scores, mm-hmm. we think would be really good. We've, uh, we've done this in playtests where we'll pick a, pick a level and some characters and then two of us will play it and then the next two will try to beat the score. Okay. It's like a, oh, it's like a classic pretty, pass the controller. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a fantastic idea. Yeah, that's sure. really cool. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'm really keen to kind of have something like that actually formalized in the game because it's it's pretty funny. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, so, but, I was just say I, I have to sure. ask. There's there are two levels in particular that really kind of caught my eye, um, and I started playing them with other characters just because they were so cool. Um, the first one, I believe, it was. Uh, I want to say it was eights, which uh, yeah. level three, um, where it blacks out and the lights coming from the gun, and you see all the kind of green coming up over the sides. Um, I thought that was really not only intense, just because things are coming in around you and you can't see them unless the lights on them. Uh, but it was just a neat effect, especially in something where you're again, you know, you spend a lot of time trying to dodge. That happens, and you're like, well, the only way I'm going to see him is if I'm shooting him, and so you just start running forward. Knowing that it, they're going to be there, they're going to light up. You're kind of gonna, you're kind of gonna blow things up. And I think the other one is the last level that I was able to play in the preview um, with the shifting battleground. Yep, Lots. and yep. that was going to be about my next question: oh, okay. the shifting battleground. <laughs> that was that was so <laughs> That's neat. pretty nuts. Uh, can you guys talk about a little bit, maybe on the the technical side, not too crazy because. Obviously, we have no idea what you're talking about, uh, but uh, if you could well, kind of go into that. It's interesting. Is um, I actually made the blocks level. I mean, Tim did the art because he's an awesome artist, and I can't do any art to save my life, but I made the uh, the mechanics of how it works, and Tim actually made the eight level, so we can kind of split it down the middle here. Oh, fantastic. Um, with the, the shifting blocks level, uh, it's actually, under the hood, it's pretty simple, Um well, not super simple, but simple enough. It kind of takes a layout, like I, I draw a layout on a, a texture. So it's just like a, I think it's 15 by 11 blocks and they're all one meter wide, uh, one meter tall. And uh, on that layout, I kind of draw it in colors. So I go, you know, green's going to be ground and red's going to be a pillar and black's going to be uh, nothing, no ground. And then the game reads that out and each uh, individual block is the identical object to each other, right? As you can see in the level, they're kind of just... Um, able to shift between the different phases, uh, different states that they're in, but they're all identical to each other. So it just reads this kind of image that I've drawn out and creates the pattern out of that by transforming into pillars and breaking away into ground. There's a little bit of complex stuff where I make sure that 
the player can never fall out of the world and you know things like that because that would be bad. So it creates a bridge for you to walk back onto land if you're standing out in the middle of uh, nowhere. Huh. But uh, overall, it's actually really simple. The coolest thing is after we set that up where it's just reading this really simple texture, 15 by 11 pixels, right? That's tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, to make these level layouts, we could iterate on that and make new layouts in minutes rather than you know, hours or days, which allowed us to like, I don't know if you played it too much, but I'm really proud of the layouts we ended up with in that level. Awesome. There were definitely some really cool ones, and you made that sound super simple. Um, yeah. At what point did you have to like sell a child or sacrifice a chicken in order to make that happen? Because the, <laughs> the magic that goes on yeah. there, that just sounds very uh, too, way too simple for that to happen. Well, one neat thing we actually do is uh, when it changes from one layout to another and it you know, reads the texture and picks the new layout, uh, it actually does like a ripple out effect where it, it determines like the block. It looks at how far it is away from the nearest player and sets a, a kind of time delay on that. So you'll notice it's rippling out from where each player is standing uh, to change into the new formation, which gives it a really, really cool look where it looks like it's rebuilding from where you stand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, under the hood, it's just doing some simple, oh, you know, kind of simple changes where it's enabling different collision and disabling other collision and keeping track and to make sure that you don't fall out of the world. And then Tim's amazing animations take over, which are just freaking incredible with all those blocks and the individual pieces changing. But uh, specifically with the approach and stuff, uh, approach, we spend a lot of time thinking uh, thinking through things before we start because we're such a tiny, we're such a small team that we can't really afford to uh, spend to spend a lot of time trying to work work on these things. So we need ideas that are smarter rather than going to take a long time. So yeah. the way that explains it sounds very simple. Uh, we spent a lot of time kind of trying to distill it down to what it was actually doing. Like the original concept was imagine a level where it's like made out of blocks and the blocks reassemble themselves in front of you. And then from that we go, well, what if what if we consider the level as a grid? Um, and then we need a way to control that grid, which is the texture and that kind of thing. And then what does that give us? And kind of build out of that. So by the end, it feels like a fairly simple one, two, three step, but we've actually bypassed a lot of problems by spending so much time thinking about it. I think, Tim, you actually wrote up a piece on our development blog about that specific level, if you guys are interested later on. Yeah, uh, we get a lot of, like got a lot our of questions to after the trailer. <laughs> it's, uh, the, the I can imagine. Level. It's, I mean, just playing on it's pretty neat, but uh, you know, have, uh, I can only imagine like having not had that experience playing and just kind of seeing it going, wow, what, what just happened there? Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I mean, we're definitely, with our goal with uh, all the levels is whatever kind of theme or concept we have, because we have a core one for each level we go, this level's all about this specific experience, right? That level's the, the changing layout. The other one's the light and dark mechanic where we want to try and overwhelm you because you can't see what's coming at you. All these different things. We try and think about uh, how we can make those elements work in such a way that we can really iterate on the levels quickly. Because like Tim said, there are three of us working on the game. Uh, Jeff's doing uh, music and sound effects and I'm doing kind of design scripting, level design, and Tim's doing all the art and pretty much all the programming. So we really have to make sure that we're efficient with what we're doing because uh, it's, it's kind of a complex game. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so, so, on, <laughs> so on eight, the, the level with the light and dark, um, mm-hmm. that, that was my, speaking of themes, <laughs> that was my homage, homage to uh, kind of monster movies and that kind of the lights go out and the enemies swarm in and, you know, the green <laughs> green zombie-style things come over the edge. So that, that was the idea. It's like you're playing and suddenly light, 
lights plunge out and you have to deal with it, which is pretty good that that's the impression it gave. Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, it was very, uh, uh, you know, it, it it's a lot more alien than Colonial Marines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that's, yeah, another, that kind of influence. They need, yeah, well, it's, there's a later level where the enemies actually are coming out of the wall, so... Um, well, I know in the but, in Hive, uh, I, uh, specifically where the um, uh, the the bees, for lack of a better term, um, uh, as I was circling around, I was noticing them. I was noticing them actually coming out of the walls in front of me, and so I was having <laughs> to kind of turn to shoot to pass them to get around the little dip, and, and trying to get them all to to follow me around the edge. <laughs> so oh. I was I was uh, that, that was kind of surprising, but uh, altogether very neat because it it you know. Uh, with that, di- that kind of fluid dynamicness of it, that dynamicness, wow. Uh, <laughs> with the, the, the fluidity of the level, just having to kind of circle around, still trying to stay out of the way, but at the same time uh, being forced to make those uh, split-second adjustments, um, it, it was it was really neat just seeing them come out. That's what I'm trying to get at, all those words. <laughs> Tim likes to call those uh, wasps his fluid simulation because he can throw so many of them on there at once and they're all kind of pushing against each other and creating a wave yeah they're the they're, um, they're, they were engineered to be the cheapest enemy so that we could still hypothetically get like 200 of them on screen we've actually had points where Nart's taken wasps out of the game just because it was hurting gameplay not because there was any sort of performance problem so uh, yeah, gonna... think, <laughs> in multiplayer we're actually throwing like several hundred wasps at you at once on that level if you're in four player it's uh, crazy Ooh. You want something with AOE, yeah. Yeah. yeah firepower buff. That thing is amazing. Yep. <laughs> just turn uh, it on. Loves and you, hit one of those and just now. I, now I had a question. Do the do the buffs cycle while they're sitting on the floor? Yeah, yeah. They they have a little timer. If you look closely, there's actually a meter that's uh, animating, and every okay. I think it's five seconds they'll switch to the next next power. So you can always to spin uh, really rapidly just before they change as well, which is a good indicator. Hmm. hmm. So you can always wait for the power-up you want if you'd like to structure that way. There's a lot of strategy in the boss, actually, like uh, timing the right pickups to maximize damage. But yeah, it's... Uh... Awesome. It's very deep for, yeah. for an arena two-sticks, you know? It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really neat. Well, we don't have that many mechanics, so we're trying to, we, we're trying to uh, give each mechanic as much depth as possible, so you get this... Yeah, it's, it's fairly... It's, Simple and clean cut, but we're just really trying to leverage what we've got. Yeah, if I were to throw a third mecha- or a third game into my description of Cactus, it would be uh, Quake, because of just the way those <laughs> power-ups work. Uh, it reminded me a lot of, of playing Quake long, long ago. Um, awesome. So, um, so the whole game takes place on a spaceship, is that right? Uh, yep. It's like a massive space freighter. Um, okay, and that spaceship is called the Genki Star, right? Uh, yeah. Is that an allusion to Saints Row the Third? No, I was ah. actually, I was, I was like, I felt a sudden panic, uh, a pang of panic when uh, that got announced. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Genki's a Japanese word for, well, <laughs> it, um, it's a, it's hap- this kind of happiness. It's that expression of uh, joy, isn't it? Um, no. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's a. Uh... Okay. 
Well, in my but, mind, it's going to be just because I, I love that <laughs> game. So just just know that going into it. He's going to be yeah. playing on a, a giant cat-headed spaceship. So just... <laughs> his we can make Everybody's it. got their own Genki star. That's that's his Genki star. <laughs> yeah. And so just, just so you know, you know, if along with the cacti in the level, if you <laughs> randomly have a character with a cat head, I, I won't complain. All right. <laughs> I'm sure you won't, but unfortunately you also won't be suing them for it. So. Yeah. <laughs> We're hoping it can be a little bit more apparent that you're on a ship in the final game when we've got, you know, intro cutscenes and a little bit of storyline here and there and that thing going on. We know it's in the preview build right now. It's just all the gameplay and the levels. But uh, I was I was going to ask happen. if there was actually going to be more uh, more story to go along with it, or if it you were just going for the uh, just the action portion of it. No, the plan is definitely to put in some more story elements just to give you context to what's happening. I mean. We want to keep it out of the levels themselves because they need to be really pure because that's kind of what they are, right? The way they play. Mm-hmm. If you put a uh, cutscene or something in the middle of them, they just get really messy. So we kind of want to chuck in uh, an intro cutscene that plays out and explains the scenario, why you're there and where these androids actually come from and what they're doing. Uh, and then cover up more with little bits of story, mostly around the bosses and when you're shifting between the different worlds. So you know, a bit of introduction to who these bosses are, why you're fighting them, and then allusions to the, the greater themes in the story. I, th- um, I think that's the, the, yeah. I was going to say that the best comparison would be your, your kind of classic arcade shooters, where they'll often have uh, banter with the bosses. So mm-hmm. it'll be pretty, there'll be a storyline there, but it'll be, uh, it kind of, it won't interrupt the action. It's not like it grinds to a halt. It's more like, uh, yeah, you have a you Yeah, have it's a like the cave section. shooters, right? Yeah, yeah. How many uh, how many worlds are you are, are you planning on? What kind of uh, what kind of level count are we looking at? I'm uh, looking for five five worlds with five stages in each. Oh, there's four stages and a boss for each stage. Okay. Okay. And then are you trying? Are you going for a, like? I, I know the the themes of the levels are, uh, or rather, the themes of the worlds are different. Um, are are am I going to see uh, an eights with the dark and stuff? You know, is that going to appear somewhere else? Um, or are those kind of themes really kind of one-offs too? If we can think of a um, clever way to to, if if we could think of a clever way to um, reimagine, like use the use the light and dark in a way that is completely flips the first level on its head, I think we'd do it. We're keen not to just recycle things, but okay. if there's a way to 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 reinterpret it, I'd be keen to do it. We're, we're still we're still planning out some of the later levels. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely like using light and dark. There's a few different things you can do. So if there's something we come up with that just jumps out as being, that would be really, really awesome and really different to aid, um, we'll definitely do it. Same with some of the other ideas. You know, like it it take me way, way, way less time to make another blocks, for example, but uh, it's not as useful really when you want to have new experiences, right? Gotcha. Absolutely. Um, and with the with the co-op too, is that just a uh... Um, is that same computer co-op? Uh, are we talking about like actually getting online and doing it? Um, what, what kind of uh, multiplayer yeah, are you thinking co-op. of? Uh, yeah, it's entirely local co-op at the moment. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you said you guys were a group of three, and that's everybody? That's that's which uh, one? Yep. yep. And where are you guys located? Uh, Brisbane, Australia. Okay. Uh, I know there's Sydney, 
and I know there's a reef, and there's sharks. Where's Brisbane? Uh, we're, we're closer, closer to, to the reef. reef. Okay, perfect. Excellent. Done. It's uh, we're kind yeah. of in the tropical area up uh, northeast. Okay. It's, um, yeah, so there's just the three of us working here. Um, and, uh, yeah, the split is basically Tim's handling all the art and animation and all that kind of stuff, which is pretty amazing, as well as most of the programming. I'm doing some of the scripting and a lot of the design, uh, so building levels and you know designing enemies, characters, mechanics. And Jeff uh, Van Dyke's doing the audio. I probably actually want to talk about him just for a little bit uh, since he's not here, just so people know who he is. He's actually an amazing musician with a, a, a deep history, I guess, in video games. He's been around forever. He did the original soundtrack to the first Need for Speed game, Skitching, for EA. I don't know if you guys wow. know about those games. Wow. Okay. Um, and more recently, he's known for being the guy uh, who won BAFTAs for his work on the Total War soundtrack. So we're super happy to be working there's, with him. There's we worked a in... sound pedigree here, and, and it kind of shows with the levels, too, because that when that, <laughs> that, that song picks up... <laughs> Yeah, it's it pretty really exciting. adds to the tension. And um, for him, you know, he's kind of like, uh, well, he'd been working on a few other projects for Seeger and uh, Kixi, I think, recently. So he hadn't had too much time to focus on Cactus. So this is actually just early roughs for him, essentially, the, the music that you've heard in the game. Um, wow. he's and he handles all the sound effects, too? He handles most of the sound effects. I'm doing okay. some of them. So we're kind of sharing. Awesome. Um, is this is Cactus your first game as a group? Uh, obviously, uh, it's not his first game. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, um, me, me and well, we're, we're all from. We've all worked at uh, the larger studios uh, in Australia. <laughs> oh, okay. And right. so, um, me, me and Nat worked on a very small uh, casual game recently. Oh, not casual game. It's a. It's a little. It was a. How would you describe it? <laughs> uh, it was a game jam project that turned out to be pretty good, and so we put it on the internet, um, and 10,000 people will download it for Android. So that was pretty fun. Uh, it's called Antibody, if you guys ever want to look at that. That was just a little mini project we did. Um, I can send you the link afterwards. But that's the only major thing that me and Tim have worked on together. Uh, me, Tim, and Jeff actually all work together at Sega, though, here in Australia. So... That's where we know each other from. Um, we all ended up at different companies after that. Uh, and then at one point in time, we were just like, well, we liked working together and we worked really well together. What do you guys think about quitting your jobs and going full time? I was going to say, what, what made you guys that. decide to take a run at this? Was it, was it the idea behind it? Did the idea come after the decision to kind of just throw caution to the wind and go for it? <laughs> uh, I think it was a combination of things. You know, The Australian industry, the big studios are kind of on their way out. Like, Sega's closing in a couple months, and uh, a lot of the places that other people are at have been closing, and we had this idea. Uh, so the original concept was Tim's before we actually met up. It's an old, old concept of his from uh, a couple of years ago. He's kind of a, a guy who likes to do that. He hoards cool concepts. Um, and he was talking about it, and we're talking about, you know, what if we made a game together? We made that little antibody game, and it went really smoothly, and we enjoyed working together. And so we just thought well, let's do it. There's no better time than now. We've all got enough savings that we can kind of you know, reasonably well quit our jobs and uh, give it a go. So we did it. Awesome. It's uh, been terrifying so far. Yeah, I was going to say, has there, has there ever been a point where you're like, uh, we did not make the right decision, or has it always been, no, 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 we're going to be fine? 
Uh, well, the game has always we've always felt like the game is good. So that's uh, like our rock is to go back to whenever we're worried about it. When we're looking at the green light campaign and we're going, mm, we just don't have enough votes. We go, well, the game is good. So hopefully we can get the game to more people like yourselves and you know get the word out that the game's pretty good. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a few moments where you go, uh, this this is scary. You know, this is our life savings. This is uh, everything. So. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I haven't I have I haven't regretted the decision yet. I've 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 had some pangs of uh, doubt, but overall I'm I'm I feel like every time I think about it, I think no, this is actually what I want to do. Um, this yeah. is this is what I should be doing, and for better or worse, uh, <laughs> it will be. What you are doing. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You guys mentioned green light. Um, we've I would. Uh, we did an interview with uh, with King Voxel. He's on green light too, when he was speaking to the. Uh, um, well, King just Voxel kind of is the, not his name. Well, yeah, his name is Philip the, Meyer. <laughs> King Voxel. King Voxel. Yeah. <laughs> he was he, he specifically King Voxel was speaking, not Philip. I, I don't know what what he's what Jonathan's talking about. But King Voxel was speaking to the fact that Greenlight's kind of scary. Um, how are you guys approaching that? Was was there a plan? Is there a plan beyond Greenlight? Or is it or or, or is it just kind of a, a hope for the votes? I mean, having played it. <laughs> You have my vote, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, you know, not... <laughs> there's like a Ultimate. billion games on. Green yeah, Light. I'm going amongst an ocean, and, <laughs> yeah. and it's it's just getting it up there. Ultimately, Steam is another distribution uh, path. We'll, we'll if if we if we don't make it through Greenlight, we'll just release how we can and do what we can. <laughs> but obviously, we're already it's planning. Steam. Yeah, we're already planning to release. Um, you know, possibly some other versions, DRM-free versions and things. We've had people contacting us because uh, we've announced the game is going to be on Linux and Mac as well. We've had some Linux guys contacting us going, you know, they prefer DRM-free version that's not necessarily through Steam. And we're like, well, yeah, so that sounds good. You're kidding. Um, you do? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, to do things like that, we already need to account for not only having a Steam release. Um, so Steam's definitely... And we'd love to be there because it's the biggest marketplace, but it's not the only marketplace. Hmm. Sorry, water break. <laughs> all right. Bad timing. Sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Jonathan right. should have taken up the slack. Uh, he didn't know I was drinking I, water. Yeah, and I was, I was drinking some Dr. Pepper at the same time. So. Everybody else. <laughs> take, take a moment. Drink some water. Come right back to it. I'll just gulp really loudly. All right, all right, we're good. Now I spilled some on me because apparently I can't. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Um, we've also talked to a whole bunch of people recently, and I say a whole bunch of people in like maybe three or four that we've had interviews with, um, who also used Unity. Um, mm-hmm. What was it like? What what kind of made you go with uh, with that with that particular engine as opposed to maybe you know spending all that time making one yourself? Was it just uh, well, easy? Thing... <laughs> uh, well, the main thing, I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm an animator, um, primarily, and uh, Unity really worked for me because it's a very, it's a very well, it's a very artist-friendly engine, and it, was a, it made the transition into coding a lot simpler than other, <laughs> other angles. Uh, you start with a very visual approach. You're building components and objects and clicking things together. And this is the stuff I'm familiar with. And the code kind of sits in between and does some stuff. And then 
I basically just followed the path and ended up with a pretty complex game by now. <laughs> There's actually a lot of code. I'm, I'm spending a lot of time writing code now. But uh, for me, it was just that it was a lot more accessible. The, getting into the gameplay was much easier than anything I've worked with in the past. Not not having built something before myself, it, that, that first step in just getting something on screen and being able to manipulate it um, is that is that super important when it comes to kind of coding out something like this, especially something so so kind of action heavy? Uh, like yeah, Texas? massively. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I think when I was because uh, I've, I've I've played with quite a lot of engines now, um, and I think the first time I was using Unity, I had a sphere up and moving around and shooting in different directions by like the end of the day, which <laughs> was uh, gave a really inaccurate impression of how easy things were going to be. But it's <laughs> Tim, that does not look like a cactus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, Motivation uh, like that's super important, though, right? If you, if you kind of get that ball rolling and you're going, all right, everything's actually you know, momentum. Sorry. That's all right. We're all making up words today. It's good. Yeah, yeah. But you, 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 it it made it a lot easier to uh, see the path to follow, like to see where I could, where I needed to add things next. And I don't know it was. It, I, I found it a really logical engine, actually, um, compared to some of the stuff I've worked with, especially especially in industry. In it, yeah. But um, <laughs> it was it was really nice to work with and kind of yeah, made it made it easy to learn. I think. <laughs> Um, so one one of the nice things that I've heard about Unity is it it works on pretty much everything. Uh, a lot of iPad games are, um, you know, built in Unity. You've got console games, you've got PC games. Uh, are you guys hoping to? You said that you're on Linux and PC. Are you on Mac as well? Uh, yep. Uh, that, this is actually yeah something that worked out really well for us. Like we've obviously we're we've we've been primarily building the uh, piece, uh, Windows build mm-hmm. and. So we're like, well, <laughs> let's click the button to see what happens. Um, and it was actually it was actually very smooth. We were basically fixing up a handful of like interface bugs and how um, you know making sure that things worked across the different platforms. With they had a couple of little oddities per platform, but for the most part, it was actually we got we got it running on Windows. Uh, sorry, running on OS X and Linux really easily. And yeah, awesome. that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it's it actually so been pretty exciting. Being able to share the, like a preview build with Linux guys as well, and you know they just get it and up and running because it'd be pretty embarrassing if you're oh we're going to be on Linux and Mac, but you know, for now here's only Windows version. So it's been that's, that's uh, how you sell it to Linux people. You get a program oh, yeah. that plays real early. <laughs> well, yeah, you'll like get a... it eventually. Here's some Windows work. <laughs> exactly. I kind of feel the, the only way to keep a, a game stable is to constantly test and constantly chase up things, and so it's really good to be able to have the three of them like buildable all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we can, yeah. So so whenever we're, we're never saying, oh, we'll get to that later. Or, you know, we'll finish the Windows version, then check the Mac version. So like, now we can just check the Mac version right now. Yeah, um, we really so, yeah. focus on um, making sure that at any given moment we can do a build and give it to someone. Like it's one of our, I guess, principles as developers is we try to make sure we don't break everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you probably hear a lot of stories about how somebody does a build or something for an event, and then the day after, the entire thing falls over. That's really common. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so, absolutely. The uh, the the crazy E3 builds that a lot of yeah. uh, developers come out with, where they spend just weeks working on that, and if it deviates even slightly from what's been what's been scripted for it, the whole thing falls apart. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And we're really trying to make sure that 
tomorrow somebody asked us for a new build that has whatever we put in in the last couple of weeks that wasn't in the last preview build, we could just click the button and make it happen because the build's stable, everything's working. Hmm. Cool. Putting out something not broken. That <laughs> that's novel. Sound yeah. As revolutionary as it is. <laughs> no, it's it's yeah, it's just one of those things that the, we, we, I, I think overall will be faster to finish the game because of it. But at times it can kind of make you feel like you're progressing a little bit slower. But you're never like you're never in a dangerous position. So uh, yeah, really happy with that actually. So with the kind of ease of moving from platform to platform, do you guys have any hope of maybe getting it on 360, OUYA, PSN? Have you worked with an OUYA at all? That's one thing I've been asking a lot of people, and so far a lot of people have been getting them and just not using them at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we played with... Well, the thing about OUYA is it's, it's Android spec, basically. Mm-hmm. So... Um, it's it's yeah it's much closer to a, a mobile game, and we've had a bit of experience uh, optimizing like that last little small project we talked about, mm-hmm. getting the, the the feel for the difference in um, approach that you need between a like the desktop version and a, a mobile version, um, and yeah so we, we we don't we don't feel like we could get it slimmed down to run on a a, a smaller device okay. at this point, so yeah but they. Um, yeah, it's it's it was really interesting. They're saying that how how Unity can deploy to different consoles and stuff like that. It's uh, definitely something we would be interested in if we have those app avenues. But yeah, right now we're just focused on desktop. Good to know. Awesome. Uh, and now is the time for Brian's favorite part of the show: That's the right. lightning round. Yeah, this take is it a, away. It's completely <laughs> I don't know if if in Australia you guys have the uh, Inside the Actor Studio with James Lipton, um, but he likes to end all of his interviews with a questionnaire of sorts. Um, his is much more highbrow. Mine's much more video games. Uh, but uh, I would I would love it if both of you would uh, would answer. So uh, cool. here we go. <clears throat> Number one, who is your favorite video game protagonist? Mario. Ooh, Samus. All right. Ooh, all right. Who's your favorite antagonist? Ooh. Don't hmm. say Wario. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's just misunderstood. He's not, you know. Luca Blight uh, from Sokoden 2. Okay. I'm going to go, uh, go Robotnik from the early Sonic games. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. All right. What is your favorite video game sound? <laughs> the ring pickup pick sound right. from Sonic. Sorry, there Tim was some cross over there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Repeat. <laughs> Sorry, no? Do you want to go? Uh, yeah, the uh, you know, ring pickup from Sonic. Ah. And what did and you say, Tim? Tim? I was going to say the coin pickup from Mario. Ah, blasphemer. Right. Coins, rings, collectibles, okay. All right. <laughs> what is your least yeah. favorite video game trope? Amnesia. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I agree. <laughs> all right, amnesia all around. What? Okay. Um, outside of, uh, of of programming video games and outside of making uh, Assault Android Cactus, um, if there was anything else you could do, what would it be? Uh, I'd be a pro gamer. <laughs> uh, comic books, M- making like comic proposal. Awesome. Uh, but to the pro gamer, what game would you play? <laughs> oh, Blizzard strategy games. 
I've actually okay, done it like in the past. To... I was uh, pseudo pro at Warcraft Three. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. All right, and finally, um, at the end of your life, when you come to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom, and Toad looks over the book of your deeds, what do you want him to say to you? Congratulations. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Hey, I was Fantastic. playing Cactus. Um, that was that, that changing that changing floor level was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I will. I will make sure he gets that note. <laughs> thank you. Uh, well, awesome guys. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, if you could just tell us when we might be able to get our hands on a final copy of. Assault Android Cactus for PC, Mac, and Linux? So look, I think in that uh, uh, Northern Hemisphere time, we're just talking about <laughs> summer release at the moment. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah, up here so, where the toilets spin clockwise or counterclockwise. I don't know. <laughs> I've never actually paid attention, so I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for us, we're I'll just be coming back. out I'll of summer. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's not too far away, but we're kind of you know, cautious about announcing a specific date until we know we can absolutely hit it. So, but, uh, yeah, later later this year is the <laughs> yeah. definitely this year. Definitely. Okay. Good to know. Uh, well, thank you guys once again for joining us. Enjoy the talk. Hope everything goes awesome with Assault Android Cactus. Thank good night. You very much. Right, good, good day. Absolute pleasure. Uh, good night. <laughs> Don't here. Walk good- it out of here. What? They're not no. going after crocodiles. Come I know. No, I actually did not even think about that until the words came out of my mouth. <laughs> I said good night first, and then I was like, no, wait, it's morning for them. Good day. And then is I was like, oh. Let's, we're going to have a time conversation right now. We're going to continue this. This is this is, uh, this is is dark cast after hours here. What what time is it there? And what uh, day is it there? Are you in the future? Yes, it's, we are. Oh, my God. 10.47 in the morning on Friday. Wow. See? That is awesome. <laughs> I, I, I sound like the worst kind of American right now because I've just <laughs> made aware that there are other countries and they work in other times. So it's completely horrible. Just so you know, it is, it's 847 here and it's Thursday. So if you have anything we, you need us to do before midnight, you just let us know. All right. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> and also, if anything happens on Friday, if you could let us know, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. We'd love to have that. That's how time works. (laughs) Right. That's how time works. All right. Thanks again, guys. Have a good day. Thanks. See, it wasn't weird that time. I said, have a good day, right? That that was amazing. All right. Awesome. Sweet. Much less racist, Jonathan. Thank you. (laughs) That's all my (laughs) God.